Father, thank you for this man. And Lord, we lift him up with his family and all of the Northern Youth programs, all the ministry work, and the staff, and the team, Lord, the work you're doing. Father, we give you thanks today uh, for your faithfulness and your goodness. And we just bless him as he comes to share today. Lord, open our hearts uh, for the need in our area and just what's going on. Uh, Lord, bless him. Bless his words, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Not sure how to follow an act like that. I don't have an eye story. <laughs> well, good morning. It's great to uh, be here with you guys this morning. I've been to the Brightfield uh, Gospel Church for a number of uh, special events, uh, but never as a speaker and never on a Sunday morning service. Um. It reminds me of a story in uh, Luke chapter 10. Jesus uh, gets to talk to a bunch of people, and ultimately this one guy asks him, so who is my neighbor? Well, the reason that the, that he was asked this question is because Jesus had just told everybody that you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And, of course, some self-righteous person uh, says, well, who is my neighbor? Well, who is my neighbor? That is a really good question. And then we get into the story of the Good Samaritan, and Jesus basically makes a case that everyone is a neighbor. Now, why is that important? I, I believe for us living here in northwestern Ontario, we live in a really big place with not many people. And so, who is my neighbor? That question... I think needs to stay in the forefront of the Christian's mind, and it also needs to be a question that is firmly uh, answered at all times in the life of a Christian, that our neighbor is really everybody that we come in contact with, because God has brought them to us so that a little bit of his love and his life can rub off and bring life and bring love to those that we meet. And we don't need to be like the guys in this story. You know, they call it the story of the Good Samaritan. I, I wish they would call it the story of the three self-righteous religious people. Because it's almost more about them than about the Samaritan. And you, know, you, can, you can sort that out. So who is Northern Youth Programs? Um, you know, we've been in this region since uh, the 60s. And many of you might be familiar with Northern Youth Programs, many of you are not. I, I know, of course, that uh, we're neighbors with the Hendersons. Um, we've worked with uh, Mr. Hoover. We've worked with uh, James Ash. James isn't here this morning. I don't see him. Uh, we work with a lot of you guys, and yet you might think, who are those guys out there? How, how many of you have been out of Beaver Lake Camp for one reason or another? Praise the Lord. Uh, so, just up the road, off of Huey Road at Beaver Lake Camp. Um, been working um, in this region in ministry since uh, 1967. Work was started by Claire and Clara Schnupp. And of course, there's lots and lots of people that have been involved for a lot of years um, to, to get this uh, ministry going and keep it going. Why don't we go to the next slide? Um, as an organization, our mission is to partner with Aboriginal Christians to evangelize the lost, disciple believers, develop people for Christian service. So we see ourselves as a, as a parallel ministry. In other words, we 
we don't have our own churches. We work with the churches that exist um, in this region. You, you have that map. What are that map? I think it's about there. You go. If you if you look at this map, um, I know for for people living here in Dryden, you're probably fairly familiar with Northern Ontario. Um, Kenny Jackson is the executive director of the Native Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. Some of you might know um, Kenny and Millie. Um, Kenny says that if you kind of drew a, a wide line from the James Bay across northern Ontario, northern Manitoba, um, over to the Rocky Mountains, um, across the Prairie provinces, so that's Canada's Bible Belt. And I, I believe he's right. Like when you go to the communities in that region, um, the communities are officially Christian. I mean, it's very much Christian identity uh, in those in those communities. So how do we see ourselves? We see ourselves as partners with uh, Christian leaders um, in northern Ontario communities. There's a marked difference between uh, Aboriginal communities in the northern part of Ontario compared to the communities um, along the Trans-Canada Highway or to the south. The communities to the south um, in, in many cases want little to do with Christianity and the communities to the north want um, a Christian influence in their communities. And so that's our focus region. Go back to the sec- uh, third slide. Northern Programs has two main groups of ministries. So we have Beaver Lake Camp. And that's what you see out here off of we Road. Um, Beaver Lake Camp is a place where people can come for a wide variety of programs. Um, in the summer, is summer camps. Each uh, year, around 250 kids come to camp at uh, Beaver Lake. Uh, many of them from, you know, Red Lake, Sioux Lookout, uh, Pickle Lake, um, Black Sewell, the thriving Northern Ontario region. There's also kids coming from uh, remote flying communities. Um, every year there's uh, planes that get chartered to bring kids to camp. And it's uh, just a great opportunity for um, kids to get the world a little bigger and um, experience something in a, in a safe and caring uh, camping environment. Throughout the um, rest of the year, uh, the, basically the school years, there's a variety of retreats. There's a marriage and family counseling program. We we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but first, I'd like to talk a bit about the retreats. Many of the uh, kids that come from northern communities that go to high school in Thunder Blade or Dryden or Sulukout um, find that challenge, find that transition from a northern community to um, city life. I mean, it's, it's a mixture of exciting and scary and dangerous and, and confusing and disorienting and, and awesome all at once. So our, our focus in youth retreats is to provide an opportunity for kids coming from northern communities to get together um, at Beaver Lake Camp and basically hear the gospel. So in, in all of those retreats, um, it's First Nations pastors that are speaking and they're uh, providing guidance and spiritual direction for kids coming from uh, northern communities. The big event that um, happens every year the first weekend in August, we call it Family Camp or Family Empowerment Forum in Gospel Sing. Um, that event is bringing usually uh, 800 to 1,200 people uh, to the driving area for um, that weekend event. So that's something you guys can pray about. I'm sure you might notice it if you pay attention um, to what's going on uh, north of Dryden. 
That's August of our weekend. Every year uh, throughout the school year, there's a Sunday school program that happens at uh, Eagle Lake First Nation uh, down here south of town, uh, as well as Boys and Girls Clubs um, at our Eagle Lake Camp throughout the year. All right, I'm going to go to the next slide. The, the primary program that happens throughout the school year um, is a, a uh, family marriage counseling uh, family program. I'm glad to have Mark Petersheim. Mark, do you want to stand? Mark here is the uh, administrator for the family program. Uh, thanks, Mark. He leads that with a, a small team of uh, professional counselors. Uh, some contracts, some are employed employees or staff. Uh, the objective of the family uh, counseling program is to help families come together and find healing for whatever tragedies or challenges they're facing. In, in many counseling programs, an individual will go to counseling and get the help he needs, or at least some of it, and then go back to his family or community and try to figure out life with the tools that he's got. Our approach is a little different in that we try to bring the whole family and help the whole family turn a corner together um, towards a more healthy or um, positive lifestyle. You want to turn to the next page. This, this uh, program is a mixture of teaching. It has counseling as well as a youth program, and we also do some life skills training. The, the concept is that mom, dad, youth, and kids all hear the same kind of teaching, same kind of influence um, at age-appropriate levels. So that way the family can go back home and they can, you know, they, they, they all know what they all heard. And it uh, brings more lasting uh, change in the life of family. A number of years ago, there was a, a fellow that um, from a Northern First Nations community um, ended up in trouble. He ended up in the uh, Kenora Jail, and we didn't we didn't know about that part of it. We met his um, wife and her kids, and they came to be related for a family program. And through that, we learned that the reason she was there as a single mother was um, because her husband was incarcerated. Um, about six months later, uh, the Child and Family Services, uh, Tiknagan, contacted us and asked if uh, they could bring the dad out of prison and bring his uh, wife and kids, if they could bring them back together at Beaver Lake Camp. And so we agreed to that, and so... Um, Mom and kids came from their northern community. Dad was released from prison, and they came together um, and met, reunited at Beaverly Camp. And in that process, um, the, the dad starts talking about what he had done and how he had hurt his family. And really, I mean, ultimately, he's just confessing everything that he'd done wrong, and he's pouring it all out. And his wife is sitting beside him, and I just... I just was so blessed and inspired. Like she just moved over to him and she puts her arm around him and she forgives him. And, and there was just deep healing in that marriage. And after, after that all transpired, like they, they were together again. They lived together. And, you know, the issues that had driven him to violence were exposed and they were dealt with and 
It's just the transforming power of the gospel was so evident in that man's life. About uh, a year later, I visited them as a family in their uh, home, and the dad um, had been elected as a community leader. Now, what can take a guy from prison, separated from his wife and kids, to being back together with his wife and kids, and to be a respected community leader? What can do that? Jesus Christ, right? I have not seen one person changed except through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever happens in people's lives is because the Lord Jesus Christ is touching their heart and he's warming their soul and he's inspiring their mind and he's changing how they think and how they live and how they act and what they believe and ultimately he's changing who they love. He's bringing their hearts into a relationship with the Lord God Almighty. As an organization, we don't have many answers. All right? But we have one answer. And we know what that answer is. And that's Jesus Christ. In all of life, we all face hard times. In fact, that's the one thing that makes us the same as everybody else. Is that right? We all face challenges, and we all can find some sense of hope through knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ also faced challenges, and we can find healing and comfort in knowing how he uh, navigated his challenges, how he uh, depended on his Heavenly Father. Turn to the next page. Two main groups of programs we talked about. The first is what happens at Beaver Lake Camp. The second is we're going to be talking about what goes on in other communities. Um, NYP has an aviation program to get around. That's not, um, that's fairly a normal part of life in this region. Uh, this airplane was purchased in 2017, and as we, we got it as a, with the vision of expanding uh, northern community ministries. A second phase of this uh, aviation program's expansion or uh, further development is to build a hangar out at the Dryden Airport. We've had hangars before, we have two out there, but none of them hold, are big enough to hold a new airplane. So we're glad for uh, the people that have been involved with this. Um, James Esch has been our general contractor, and of course we have Nick and Tom up here and uh, Hoover's. Thank you guys for playing a critical role, and I'm just so glad I'm seeing Jonathan stand, sitting here looking as good as you do, man. Uh, you guys know the story. Jonathan was injured at the job site, and God's protecting hand was very evident. So thank the Lord for all of that. That, uh, that hangar project is currently on hold um, for two reasons. One is financial, and the other is it's cold outside. <laughs> so, uh, we expect both of those issues to be resolved by uh, next spring, and hopefully that project can uh, go on to completion um, in the summer. Turn the page. So, the primary communities, uh, primary focal communities are in this northern Ontario region, um, communities like uh, Sandy Lake, Big Trout Lake, uh, England Lake. Um, communities all about two to three hundred miles north of here. 
There's also some level of involvement in Nunavut. Um, it's becoming less, but it's still on our radar, and it's um, communities that we care about in the Inuit communities um, in the far north. Turn to page. A program that happens every summer is called Personal Workers Training Camp. Your uh, kids from all over, and sometimes families, come to Beaver Lake for a week of training and are sent to northern communities uh, to work with a First Nations pastor uh, doing things like vacation Bible school and uh, youth programs um, in northern communities. This is a picture in Angling Lake or, or Wapakika. This community um, is a small community next to Big Trout Lake. Um, not a community that's that's widely known, or it's not one of the biggest communities. It's a very small community, about 300 people. In 2014, they asked if we could send a team of Bible teachers to their community um, to work in the school. And it took us a couple of years to get a team together, but since 2007, beginning of 2018, a team has been in... I said beginning of 2018, beginning of 2017, um, a team has been in uh, Wapakika First Nation doing Bible classes in their uh, community-run school. Now, I find it I find it fascinating that here in Canada, um, we can't do Bible classes in a Dryden High School, right? I, I just don't. Has anybody tried that? Everybody knows better than they even try, right? Well, in... In these northern communities, like chief and council are coming to us saying, can you send Bible teachers to our community into, into the school system? And we're going, sure, <laughs> why not? And so um, a team is in Wapakika. Um, word gets around up north. You know, um, it was uh, this summer, I was in uh, Bearskin Lake, and I, I stopped in at the airport to uh, drop off some uh, vacation Bible school teachers. And here, one of the community's council members uh, met me at the airport. He said, hey, we're hearing what you guys are doing over Wapakika. Like, why can't you do that here, too? And so, uh, okay. Um, so we pulled together another team, and there's a team in Bearskin Lake doing exactly the same thing, doing uh, Bible teaching in the, in the community-run school. And so uh, I know that uh, Colleen Estes uh, is doing the same thing in Pantacom. Um, she's not with Northern Youth Programs, but it's the same type of work. So um, there's all kinds of opportunities. Um, in the meantime, uh, communities like Fort Severn and Kingfisher Lake and others have expressed similar types of interest. So we don't know where it will go, but we can see uh, there's definitely potential uh, for uh, development in those kinds of programs. Speaking of potential for development, other, other areas where we see potential for development is in the uh, family program at Beaver Lake Camp. We've uh, recently been asked by Technogan to basically be an essential service or a, a service provider for them, uh, working with families that are um, have kids in care. Um, we, we know the opportunities are endless and are overwhelming um, in in uh, one year's time, we can handle around 20 to 30 families um, in the family program. And uh, in the same time frame, we might have anywhere from 150 to 200 families that request to uh, participate um, in, that, in that teaching. So Jesus was right when he said, 
the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that really all means, but there's a certain part of that that I, I really feel. Uh, don't turn. Arctic Ministries, this is a component of the organization that's been historically led by Claire and Clara. Um, Claire and Clara Schnupp, many of you know them. Now, the Schnupps are um, becoming elderly, and I think we all are becoming elderly uh, at one one grade or another. Um, they are currently in uh, somewhat of a state of semi-retirement and are um, that training program that they've been leading called the 10-Course Counselor Training Program that has been spun off into a new organization called the Institute of Biblical Counseling. It's led by former students that uh, Clara Clara and Amos Bernash, next page, um, have uh, been working with for a lot of years. Those students are carrying on um, that work as both the Schnupps and the Eschens are um, in in some state of retirement. They don't really admit it, but it's really what's going on. <laughs> All right, turn the page. Out in Kenora is the Kenora District Jail. Um, Steve and Sharon Kipfer are uh, working as the chaplains in the Kenora Jail. I think it's a great opportunity. Everywhere that Bible-believing, evangelical-minded people can be um, having an influence, there ought to be someone that takes up the mantle as the prison chaplain. Because you know you got a captive audience, right? Uh, next page. There's a literature component to the organization, producing uh, workshop materials and uh, distributing um, training materials uh, far and wide, call it NYM Ministries. And last but not least, um, support ministries, a component of the organization that looks after um, a lot of the mundane uh, anything from bookkeeping to uh, fixing cars and plowing snow, those kinds of things that never go away. So, um, very grateful for all the people that God has brought into this work. Um, we, we're a team. We need to be a team. That's what it takes to um, make life work out there. I um, also just want to say thank you for your involvement. Um, your uh, support has been uh, is valuable. Um, I know that you might have heard that we're facing a financial need. Yes, we are. And you might wonder why. Um, it has a lot to do uh, with the hangar project. Um, we had a bit of an unusual response with the hangar project when we notified our donor base that we would like to build a hangar. Um, what they did is they responded instantly and overwhelmingly. Um, but it left a problem in our general operating funds. So donors put the money towards towards a project and uh, left us hanging on things like the hydro bill, right? So um, that's the current need is mostly for operating funds. Um, we're also um, looking at another project that um, I think you all have supported as a church, and that is the uh, Christian Radio Project. We'd like to bring Christian Radio back to this area. So that's done in partnership with uh, Native Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. Um, we're excited about that. And we, I, I can't wait to turn on Christian radio um, again in this area. And I, I hope that is a blessing to you all. I, I just uh, really believe that that will be good for um, the driving area. Um, it will be Christian radio with um, a 
a First Nations uh, content uh, focus. And so um, if you tune in, you'll, you'll probably hear um, Christian music that is being produced in northern communities uh, being piped uh, around the world and, of course, here. So uh, that project is about 25% funded. Um, we have around 2,000 of the needed 8,000 for that. So thank you all for um, the way you have supported that. Uh, beyond that, uh, we hope to be here for the long haul. Um, as an organization, we've been here for a bit over 50 years, and we don't know what all God has for the future, but as long as uh, First Nations chiefs and councils uh, are inviting us to share the gospel with their communities, uh, that's what we believe we're called to do. And so that's what we will do. So uh, thank you all for being a part of that and for your time and attention here this morning. Bless you all. Yeah, does anyone have any questions just off the top over right here? Be a great resource for you. We'll be hanging around afterwards, I'm sure. Taking off too quickly. <laughs> right on. That's good. We'd like to receive a, a special offering for Northern Youth Programs at this time. And so if you would, uh, we're going to ask the ushers to come and be ready to do that. And so if you could just prayerfully consider whether the board would call you to give. If you want to write a check, write the check to the church. And then we'll receive everything and just make one check up to them. So uh, just be thinking about that. And uh, thank you guys for coming. Thank you all for sharing. Appreciate you. And keep you in prayer, especially as you head through the, the season we're in right now, the anger and the finances and all that. Bless you guys. How encouraging is it, folks, just to hear about the work that the Lord's doing in these northern communities? Like, that's really cool. Yeah. That's really exciting. Um, I have a short message that I'm gonna gonna give in just a moment, and I'm gonna ask uh, Charlotte. She's gonna read the scripture for us. So Charlotte, why don't you come? Uh, a couple of scriptures she's gonna read. I think they're there in your in your bulletins. Um, once again, thank you guys for coming. Really, really appreciate that. And just so you know, in case I think I mentioned it before, we have given towards that radio project. Can't remember off the top of my head how much it was, but uh, we gave them a chunk of so Good things happening. Folks, would you prepare your hearts just to start comes to you. Good morning. We're going to start on page 485. We're going to look at Psalms 72, 1 to 7, and then 18 and 19 to start with. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. He may judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills and the righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May, you, may they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon thrills all generations. He may be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may the righteousness flourish and peace abound to the moon no more. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. 
Blessed be the glorious name forever. May the whole world be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The next one is Isaiah. And we're on page 575. Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 10. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear the fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight may be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth, and shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Their nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his head on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of knowledge of the Lord of the waters over the sea. In that day, the roots of Jesse, who shall stand in a signal of the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, whose resting place shall be glorious. Go to page 808, Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who spoke of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and belt, a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with responses, repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as your father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up the children of Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with the water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and 
fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Turn back with me to the psalm passage. I want to start there. Before we jump in, we're just going to pray. Lord, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for your word. We ask, Lord, that we would have open hearts and ears to receive this morning, not just to know information about you, but, Lord, to be formed and shaped by you so that we can go and walk in obedience and in your light and in your gospel. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. We're heading into the the second week of Advent. Last week we were talking about passage from Isaiah and Matthew of Jesus' coming, anticipating his coming as the the king of the new day, to walk in the light of the Lord, to stay awake. And we talked about uh, the presence of God returning, God coming personally back for his people and this call to come and learn from God, come and walk in his light, come and live in response to this one who comes and who loves us. Put off sin and darkness, Paul said, and put on Jesus. And today, I want us to think about Jesus as the coming king of righteousness. And again, in Advent, we kind of do two things. We're thinking back to uh, Christ as he has come and, and fulfilled these prophecies uh, we believe uh, Jesus is the Messiah, but we also look forward to his second coming, to his return. We live between those two. The call for us today, I don't know if you've heard it, but several times in these passages, is, is this uh, understanding that Jesus is full of righteousness. He's the righteous one. And how do we respond to, the, to God in his righteousness? How do we, what's the invitation for us? And what does the righteous king actually do when he shows up. But if you have Psalm 72 in front of you, this is a a royal psalm. The writer is is looking forward to an heir from David's line, a king who will come from King David's line, who will rule properly or rule in a godly way, in a just way. And so you get uh, an interesting mandate here, the, the task of the godly king. And there's a few things here worth noting. One of them is is just to rule well. Another one is to protect the poor. Probably a good idea, right? Protect the poor, a sense of justice, right? If you let your eyes kind of skim over those those verses. There's also a sense of God bringing blessing to the nations or God um, uh, restoring creation in some sense, but also God dealing with the oppressor, with those that bring injustice, which is the good thing when God shows up he brings justice to those who need it. If you're if you're on the, the victim side of that, that's really good. But if you're on the oppressor side of that, it's not so good, is it? God comes to set things right. And so there's a there's a call here for us. Well, which side are you going to be on when God shows up, by the way? But when you read this, this passage, judging people with righteousness, caring for the poor, uh, full of righteousness himself, the royal son, you go, man, this king sounds awesome. And so did Israel, and so did the prophets. The problem is, as you read the Old Testament, we read time and time again how Israel's kings fail to live up to this, don't we? You get long books of the Bible all about so-and-so begat so-and-so, 
And that one was just a real meatball. You know, he didn't do anything great. He was terrible, right? And then you get one who's not too bad. He's like, he is pretty good. And he called us back to God, but he didn't get rid of all the idolatry. And so once he was gone, everything just fell back into being terrible again. And, and unfortunately, that's how a lot of the Old Testament plays out, is God has called Israel to a certain life, called their leaders to live in a godly way, and yet Israel fails time and time again. And it's easy to look at that and go, oh man, like, they're not very good. Um, but I think part of the call for us is to go, oh my, that's me too. I don't live up to what God calls me to. I need him to come and set me right. Without him, I can't do this on my own. How can I care for the poor without him? I need him to show me how to do that. And so even here in Psalm 72, we start to anticipate a king who's going to come who actually can live out this mandate properly, who can actually do it well. And we start to call that one the Messiah. Right? This is the king from David's line who's actually going to set things right. The true king. And Jesus fulfills this. And so like I said, think about this psalm. Now look at the sort of calling here, but through Jesus' eyes, as Jesus does this, and how fitting it is to have Norm share this morning talking about bringing the gospel to people, uh, to these northern communities that are hard to access, right, for a lot, a lot of us, get by plane, right, that hits the aviation program. But here's this sense of one who comes with righteousness to care for the poor, to set things right, to bring God's goodness to bear upon the nations, and people flourish as this king comes. And as you, as you read through, we skipped, a, uh, we skipped a big portion of this song. But there's two things that happen. You get the call, uh, the personal call to come back to God. The call that all of us hear to receive him personally as our savior. Sort of that basic gospel proclamation, which is part of what Northern Youth is doing. But you also get a, a sense here in Psalm 72, and especially in Isaiah, which we're going to turn to in a minute. As much as God calls us to repent and to change our lives and to come to him and to be transformed, God's heart is not just for a collection of individuals to come to him, but to actually see societies and nations transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. There's this sense of societal transformation, just personal, but also public. We, we do well to remember this, that not only am I called personally to live for Jesus, but as a Christian, as I rub shoulders with my neighbors, as Norm began uh, when he shared, as I rub shoulders with others around us, there's a call to partner well with the good things in our community in order for the gospel to go out, not just to change people's lives, but to also transform our city and our communities around us. There's both the private call and the public call. We can't ignore the two of those. We always need to be aware of it. As soon as you miss one, you start to go a little, a little strange. You think, well, it's just about saving societies, but we, 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 we don't care about the transformation of people. That will ultimately go sideways on us, right? We actually take the bottom of the gospel, that Jesus came to actually save people. We think, well, we'll just run social programs. The thing doesn't have any, any meaning or weight to it. And then on the other hand, if things run sour, we say, we just want to save souls, but we don't actually care about you serving or loving people, right? That doesn't make a lot of sense either. God calls us uh, to be transformed by the gospel, which then means our lives are to bear fruit. And that means the transformation of the societies around us. In fact, if you go back and read uh, how the church functioned in the early Roman Empire, you'll see that all over the place, that as Christians gathered in community in a seriously pagan context, 
it was those Christians that started to actually change the hearts and lives of people around them. Rescuing the babies off the dump heap, for instance, right? Taking in the orphan children. And as people are transformed by the power of Jesus, we see that have a real impact in communities and in societies, which is very exciting. But that's the whole idea. And you see that happening even here in Psalm 72. My point is this. God doesn't just want to save your soul. Well, that's very important, and he certainly does. But he also wants to transform his world. God so loved the world, his cosmos, not just the people, but his whole creation. He wants to bring that shalom and that life and that blessing to bear upon the nations, not just Israel, but all the nations. And so you see Jesus here caring for the poor, bringing godliness, defending the cause. This is the heart of God. But look at verses 17, 18, 19. Blessed be the Lord. This is again still Psalm 72. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. It's so easy to skip that reference. Whole earth be filled with his glory. The idea here is that Jesus, the king of righteousness, the true king, is the one through whom the whole earth will be filled with the, the, the glorious presence of God, just like his presence coming to fill the tabernacle, to fill the temple. The call here in Psalm 72 is this beautiful vision that God's presence is one day going to flood his whole world. And now the whole world will become like the Holy of Holies. Wow. That's the call. And Jesus fulfills that prophecy at his crucifixion and his resurrection, right? What happens as he dies on the cross? The veil of the temple gets torn from top to bottom, right? And now the Holy of Holies has opened up and God's presence goes out to flood the whole world. What happens is Jesus breathes on his disciples. He says, receive the Holy Spirit, right? In Acts 2, as the Holy Spirit comes and fills the church, they start speaking in other languages, and you have people from all different countries there hearing the gospel. And now the glory of the Lord is flooding the whole world as the waters come to the sea. You don't need to go to the temple to meet God anymore. Right? His glory now fills the whole earth. And this is why Peter and Paul can refer to the temple to the church as the temple, right? You're living stones. Right? You together now are the place where God dwells. And as the church goes out into the world, we bring the presence of Christ with us. And his temple presence, that encounter with God, now is available for people all over the world. It's incredibly exciting. And that's what Jesus does at the cross. Now think about all this call of the king, this Davidic king, the king that we celebrate in Jesus. And look at the way Isaiah 11 echoes Psalm 72. So flip over to Isaiah and you'll hear a very similar call uh, regarding this, the, the, the one that shoots out from the root of Jesse. Again, the root of Jesse is what? Reference to David's line and his lineage, his kingdom. It's been chopped down because of idolatry and brokenness. But God is faithful to bring a king out of David's line. And now you get this shoot coming out from the stump of Jesse. The branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And now you hear what this new king is going to be all about. What do you hear in verse 2? The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, of the fear of the Lord. And once again, how is Jesus' work, this shoot from Jesse, this true and righteous king, 
How is he described? Look at verses 3 and 4. He'll not judge by what he sees or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge the poor. Once again, you get this call to care for those in society, to care for the poor, and God's heart for the poor as, as God comes to set things right. So you get the sense of judging the righteous just like in Psalms. You also get uh, creation being transformed, and that's what all those verses with the wolf and the lion and the, and the guy, the baby put in his hand and the adder's can, like, yeah, no, thank you. It seems not good. It's this picture of God transforming his world so that evil and danger are no more. And that, that looks ahead not just to Jesus' first coming. Obviously, we still live in a world where it's dangerous. If I see a snake's den, I will not let my kids play in it. Right? I know that. But there will come a day where God will come and set his world to end. And evil and brokenness will be no more. And that sense of, that sense of uh, chaos, even within the animal kingdom, will be transformed again. This is a renewed creation. Not only does God care for the poor, but he cares about his creation also. He will not destroy it. He's going to see it redeemed and renewed. And once again, look at verse 10 and 11. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. An exact parallel to the presence of God going out. This is what God's ultimate purpose is. This is what Jesus has come to do. This is what the cross is about. This is also what the manger is about. God coming to dwell in us. The righteous king comes to set his world to right and to invite you into a new relationship as well. He cares about the poor. He cares about his creation. And he has not given up on it. His hope and his plan is to fill the whole world with his presence. And he is doing that in and through his church and through the Holy Spirit. God's ultimate purpose here is to come and live with us. That's why John 1, that great Christmassy passage, is about God moving into the neighborhood. You beheld his glory, full of grace and truth, and God puts on flesh and comes to dwell with us. And of course, this is how Revelation 21 and 22 end, right? And now behold, the dwelling of God is with humanity. Right? And you see how all these passages link together. Psalm, Isaiah, Matthew, Revelation. God loves you. He's come to dwell with you. He cares about you. He cares about the issues in your life. He cares about the issues in our city and in our communities. And he's come with his righteousness to set things right as only he can. You and I can't set these things right on our own. We need him to come and bring healing and restoration and goodness. Christianity is about discovering in Jesus that life and that forgiveness. It's not just sort of um, moral uh, perfectionism, sort of getting a little bit better. We're not just sort of slightly broken. You know, it's good news, not just good advice, like here's some good things you can do to get better. No, no. We are irreparable, beyond repair. And God has come in his great love to make us whole again. We don't just want to be slightly better people. We want to be in creation, transformed by the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. As many times the Bible puts it, we're enslaved to sin. We're in a state of sinfulness. And God's come to actually free us and bring us to new life. And friends, that whole call here, the call of the one who comes to care for the poor, to care for the, his creation, to flood the world with God's presence, that sounds almost too good to be true when we live in a world where there's so many issues 
around economics and social justice and issues in creation, issues in our businesses and issues in our politics and all the mess of life and culture, isn't it? You can feel so overwhelmed. Just scroll through Facebook for like an afternoon. You'll be like, oh my gosh, the whole world's falling apart, right? Everyone's mad at everybody. Everyone's offended at everybody. It's all, it's just a mess, right? Don't go on Facebook. Don't go there. It's probably better. Don't go there. It's so easy to see, man, this world's so incredibly broken. I can't fix this on We need one who will come with his righteousness and set things straight for us. And this is the, the call, the invitation that Jesus has for each and every one of you this morning. How do we respond to the righteous king? What do we do in response to this one who comes to set things right? And Matthew gives the answer. The king is coming. What does he say? Repent. Get your heart straight with God. Recognize there's things in your life that are not healthy, that are sinful, that are not good. Put those things aside and be ready for Yahweh to come. Be ready for Jesus to come and move into your life. Invite him. Welcome him. Repent and turn away from things in your life that keep you from God, distract you from God. The things that that don't bring life, the things that bring death, put those things aside and come to Jesus. I mean, what's John doing after all, right? He's calling them out into the wilderness. We've talked about this before. What, What does that look like? It looks like the call from Moses to bring the people out of Egypt, right? They come out of Egypt into the wilderness to meet God at Mount Sinai, to be made a new people with God. What does John do? He's hearkening back to that. He's calling the people out of the city, back into the wilderness. Through what? Through the water. Why? Because it echoes the Red Sea. Right? He's calling them right back to a place where they come out of the city, come out of the place where you've been enslaved, and now come through the waters and repent and be ready out in the wilderness to meet with the God who comes and loves you. And that's why John invites them out. How scary is it? They're not being called out of Egypt anymore. They're being called out of Israel. The point being Israel's become as bad as Egypt. And in many ways this morning, God calls all of us to come out of the sin and the Egypt in our hearts and to come out to the wilderness to come through the waters of repentance and baptism and allow God to come and transform our lives. That's the call John gives to us, and it's the call Jesus gives to us. John says, bear fruit in keeping with that repentance. As we come to Jesus, it's not just sort of, okay, I'm saved and I'm good. I'm off to heaven. See you later, right? But there's a life to live, and that's John's point. Bear fruit Live a life that mirrors the repentance that's gone on in your heart. Just as you've been transformed by Jesus, let it now be shown in your actions. Let the love that God has shown you be something you share with others. Bear fruit in keeping with your faith, with your salvation. And so as we come just to the end and as we close for this morning, I want to ask the question for you to consider What is it in your life that feels very broken? The place where as you read Psalm 72 and Isaiah 11, you go, yeah, Lord, it would be really good for you to come and say Where in your life, where in your heart do you feel that sense of brokenness, that sense of need for God to come 
that sense of sinfulness perhaps. Maybe there's stuff in your life that you've been dealing with for a long time and, and you just don't know how to break out of it. It's a cycle. Let's identify those areas and then let's come. Let's not stay there. Let's come to Jesus, the righteous man, who's come to free us, who's come to bring salvation in life. Let's take that step with John to come out of our sin and with repentance turn back to the king who comes and the king who's coming again. Would you stand? I'll pray for us, then I'll send us with the benediction. I love that John says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. There's this sense of that means then doing the things that we see Jesus do, right? Caring for the poor, caring for those who need around us. It's almost like you could look back to Psalm 72 and go, yeah, those are the things I'm called to do as well. Proclaiming the life-changing message that Jesus has come to save us, that he loves you. So Lord, we pray this morning, as we've heard from Norm, Lord, the, the needs in our area and the work you're doing. Lord, we celebrate that. We also recognize, Jesus, that we are continually being called uh, into a place of repentance, of coming before you, of laying down our lives, of surrendering our lives, Lord. And I pray this morning, if there's anyone here who's never made that step of surrendering their lives, uh, Lord, that you would lead them to a place of, of surrender, coming to you. Jesus, we are called to bear fruit in keeping with the life and the salvation that you've given us. And so I pray, Lord, for those of us who have maybe been walking with you for a long time, um, and we don't know what to do, we don't know where to turn or how to serve or what's next, I pray, Lord, that you would call us by your Spirit into what uh, actions we're called to take to live out our salvation. Lord, I want to thank you for this people that are gathered here this morning. And I pray even as Norm has reminded us of those who are going and sharing the gospel, Lord, would you put in our hearts a conviction to care for our neighbors, to care for the lost here in drive, those we rub shoulders with. Lord, that we would seek the good of our city, that we would seek to care well for the poor in our town. Lord, that we would be quick to repent we would be quick to forgive. And Jesus, we pray that you would come and do that work in our lives uh, through your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you've come and you have paid the price for our sin. Lord, that you've begun a new kingdom. And Lord, we look forward to the day when you will come again and set this world to right once and for all and make your dwelling with us. Jesus, we love you. Uh, show us, even this week, a way in which you call us to follow. We ask this in your name. Amen.